is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Ben, 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 uh, Ben, 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 You said you were going to do it. Ben, 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 Ben. Do you like that show? I do not. Do you like Two and a Half Men? It's a good show. No, it's not. Why do you hate on it so much? We're going to talk a ton of Ben. You know, that show is up there with, like, um, uh, the Big Bang Theory, where I could watch maybe 100 episodes of it and not laugh one time. Like, not even come close ever to laughing. Well, it's going to be all Ben, 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 Ben in this episode and a lot of episodes that we do as we voyage into the seas of the offseason here on Steelers Nation Radio and the Steelers Podcast Network because it's my quarterback, man. That's my quarterback. It's my teammate. That's my teammate. It's, it's, not, my our, it's not our teammate. But he feels like a teammate. He does. Been playing quarterback for your Pittsburgh Steelers since 2004. Jacob, you were in third grade. I was in fourth grade. Third, fourth grade, right around there. It was, it was the off season after I finished third grade of which he was brought Barely in. even recognized what a football is at that point in your youth, let yeah. alone could illustrate the finer points of playing the quarterback position effectively in the NFL level. Just young and... and blossoming in our fandom were we when Big Ben became the quarterback I mean I don't know about you I remember a couple Tommy Maddox years but pretty foggy honestly I sure I remember when you when my, you think of Steelers football you can only really remember really think ben. of Ben and I think the only vivid pre-Ben memory I have is the AFC championship game with Brady getting yeah. hurt and Bledsoe coming in and winning and the Steelers being big favorites heading into that game and you know, as a little kid, you don't really hear about or you don't really know about the NFL and how, you know, upsets happen all the time. So all of Pittsburgh and everybody is saying you're such it's a big favorite. Celebrating. Yeah. I'm a kid. I'm like, oh, it's over. This thing's done. <laughs> and then Brady gets hurt and is like, oh, that's definitely over now. But, you, want, you want an example of how but st- my, how stupid kids can be my, when it My comes point to- is that's my earliest memory because I remember crying for Hours uh-huh. after that game when the Steelers lost because I couldn't understand how everybody was saying that the Steelers were going to win and then at the end of the game, New England got to go to a Super Bowl. I was trying to, I was screaming at people to make it make sense to me, but you want an the kids example? are dumb. That's you want, what makes you want sense. a really good example of how dumb kids can be? When the Steel, this is bad, right? When the Steelers made it to the 05 Super Bowl, people were saying, oh, I wonder if Cowher's going to retire. Like, if he wins, like, how great would that be if him and Bus go out together? And in my head, and, I, and I'm <laughs> I'm thinking I'm, like, way ahead of the game on this one, thinking, you know, what if the Steelers lose the Super Bowl and that forces Coward to stay longer? How great would that be? Galaxy brain. Lose the Super <laughs> Bowl that- so that he next year instead <laughs> oh of losing goodness. your head coach. Yeah, kids, uh, kids are stupid. But that pain that I felt in the 2001 AFC Championship game – would turn to tears of joy just five years later Mm -hmm. as Ben Roethlisberger was able to get over that hump. I mean, there's so much you could start with with his career about how epic he's been, and I think just the fact that in his rookie year he had a quarterback record of 13-0, started 13, led the team to a 15-1 record that season. And, of course, you remember Maddox got a win in week one of the season, he goes down in week two. Ben comes in in relief in that game. They lose that game. But doesn't count. Doesn't for ben. count against Ben because he wasn't the starter. 
Ben then goes on to rip off 13 straight victories. They don't need Ben to play week 17 against Buffalo in Buffalo. Still win it But anyways. they still win the game anyways. So that's why if you're at home thinking, he went 15-1 and that year, not 13-0. and No. Pay attention. He went 13-0. and He went undefeated his rookie season. And then I believe he won. He went nine and three his next year. So he's. He but lost, I meant like he, he lost a total he, of three games I think in two he NFL went calendar two and years. Two to start the next year. So really, he won his first fifteen regular season starts. Losing three games over the in the span of, of over six hundred calendar days in the regular season is absurd. Is an absurdity. It shouldn't mm-hmm. happen. And by the way, that nine and three record in the two thousand five season. We all know what happened in the postseason of that year. Four more wins added on to that win total for Ben Roethlisberger as he carried the team to four straight road victories. I guess you could call the last one a neutral site game, but four straight games on the road for First team ever to do it. To win the Lombardi Trophy, their fifth in franchise history, but it was a different kind of Ben back then, man. I mean, you look at and and I guess you could say it was a different kind of game as well in the NFL. But 66 completion percentage his rookie year, that's phenomenal for a rookie. Mm -hmm. But 2,621 yards, 17 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. I mean, just 17 touchdowns. I mean, that's nothing compared to today's day and age. And then the very next year, he had 17 touchdowns again, cut back his interceptions to nine, and won that Super Bowl, obviously. Only threw for 2,385 yards that season. I mean, a lot of this gets chalked up to it being a different game, but a lot of this gets chalked up to... When Ben was younger, it was a lot of a game management kind of a style. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of a hand the ball off to Buss and Willie and let that offensive line do their thing and really, really rely on the defense to carry the, the sure. day for you. So what does that mean? Don't turn the ball over. Don't put the defenses in, in bad situations and move the sticks. Give the defense a good amount of time to catch their breath and and relax on the sidelines. But he ran that to perfection, but that really wasn't the kind of Ben that we really got to know for the majority of his career, where he put up the numbers and had the Hall of Fame kind of numbers. It's it's like the resume can be split into two parts. You've got the first half of it where he gets his rings and he gets his winning accolades, and then it's the second half of his career where he puts up the numbers and he gets all the numbers. And he, ha- he leads probably the best offense, if not one of the best offenses, over the course of a, what, four-year or five-year span? Yeah, so you need both to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, you need the wins and you need the numbers. Obviously, you need the wins more than the numbers. Mm-hmm. Those are the, the overwhelming. But he got the wins. You can get in with the wins and not the numbers, but I don't think you can get in with the numbers and well, that's, you have to have very Dan well, Marino well, overwhelming numbers yeah. to do that. Dan, I mean, we know Dan Marino's in. Like the, Matt Ryan's next, got really good numbers. He well, ain't getting in because he doesn't have the ring. Well, I was going to say even more so, a guy who's actually retired, Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers has got the numbers. I think he might get in, but it's still up in the air because the ring, Tony Romo's got the numbers. I don't know no if Tony ring. Romo's Tony Romo doesn't even have Philip Rivers numbers. No, Matt he Ryan numbers. No, he doesn't. Well, he might have more than Matt Ryan numbers as far as like efficiency is concerned Maybe. and things like that. But all three of those guys have enough numbers that if you put a Super Bowl ring on all of their they're fingers, in. they're in. They're a lock. Mm-hmm. I mean, all three of them are. But a you lock didn't to get, get that. And the one thing I really like too is of his quarterback class for Ben, he's the only got to do both, right? Eli Manning didn't have the numbers, but got the Super Bowl wins. We just illustrated Philip Rivers didn't get the win, the the big win. He won a lot during the regular season, but. 
ask an NFL fan, what would you rather? One championship over 15 years or 15 great years but no championship? I mean, it's pretty obvious. But he had the numbers. Ben is the only guy of the three to do both. I think there is also some, I don't want to say merit to, but I think it's a cool little factoid that he had one of the worst games in Super Bowl history for any quarterback. and he, he still No, he had the worst game of a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Pulled it out the win, uh, and then obviously in the next go-around in the Super Bowl, he was playing the hero with one of the best drives I've ever seen in uh, Super Bowl history that will still stand, I think, forever. Uh, people forget, though, he was really good in that playoff in 2005 before getting to the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. I mean, he threw for seven touchdowns and had three interceptions, uh, 803 total yards in four games. Uh, that's phenomenal. Just a little bit over 200 yards per game for a young quarterback in just his second year. Obviously a 4-0 record, and I think the three interceptions are what also really stands out as far as him having success there, just not turning the ball over, refusing to turn the ball over. And it's just incredible to have a guy in his second year only throw three interceptions through four playoff games. (laughs) And despite the fact that the Super Bowl was kind of a train wreck for him, didn't turn the ball over, if I'm correct. Mm. He did not throw that interception in a Super Bowl. So he knew what his game plan had to be. He knew what he had to do in order to get the job done. And he did it to perfection that entire run. And the game against the Colts is the one where the Ben Roethlisberger difference was felt. Because in years past, you could get to the championship games and you could pull upsets in the playoffs, just running the ball with the bus, Mm -hmm. having a good ground and pound game, playing great defense, and grinding one out like 21 to 20 or something like that. With Ben Roethlisberger, you came out against the Colts, a team that was far superior than you, a team that was the favorite to win the AFC and probably win the Super Bowl that year. And you were able to punch them in the mouth with your air attack, and Ben Roethlisberger was able to attack them through the air and get up on the scoreboard early. And of course, fourteen to nothing. The game ended up being really, really close, close and it was a Vanderjack field goal away from being extremely hold your breath moment. But you were able to jump out on top of a team that is so much more superior than you, and who, so quickly like that. And, that was the Ben Roethlisberger difference. Sure. That's what that's what put them over the top when they finally were able to get past the AFC title games and get into the Super Bowls and win them. It's the fact that you had that guy that, even though he was young back then, it wasn't exactly you know the Ben of the mid the mid twenty ten Bens when he was just lining up everything. He could still drop fourteen points on your head real fast. You you couldn't get that with Maddox or, or Stewart before. No, you couldn't, and. One point that I think shows a lot of growth and Ben even earned maturity at a young age was the fact that the Colts were a team that ran over the Steelers in the regular season on a Monday night game. It was never even close, and the Colts just on their way to a 14-2 record just said the Steelers, like everyone else, we're not intimidated by, we're not afraid of until they made it to the postseason. And you just it, it was, I think at the time, one of the greatest upsets in NFL postseason history because you would never had a sixth seed make a run like that. And especially by beating the number one team in the NFL on, on their way to winning a Super Bowl. So Ben wins his first Super Bowl. Then they miss the playoffs the next year, make it the year after and go 0 and one, lose to the Jaguars at home in Tomlin's first game. That was a that was a that was a 
a heartbreaking Been loss. through for 337 yards, two touchdowns, but three interceptions in that game. But we all know the play that, that put the nail in the coffin. Yeah. The it, was the, it was the fourth down. David Garrard David run. Garrard run, yeah. Ben Roethlisberger throws interceptions to the Jaguars in the playoffs. He likes to do that. That's just the he thing. He just likes to throw them to the Jaguars at any point. In general, that's just the he thing. He had that five-interception game against them the year they lost to the, lost to the Jaguars in yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, just so really really weird kind of thing that's going down with them honestly is the Jaguars and the Steelers but that's a debate for another day that that's not going to prevent Ben from getting into the Hall of Fame and then in 2008 Ben had just a phenomenal regular season he went 12 and 4 on the record completion percentage around 60% one of his worst but 17 touchdowns 15 interceptions 3301 yards but a 12 and 4 record and then the playoffs is when he really shown three touchdowns to one interception 692 yards 3 and 0 record winning his second Lombardi trophy in just a matter of 3 seasons truly phenomenal stuff from Ben Roethlisberger there three touchdown passes to win a Super Bowl in three playoff games is just you never hear of that it's no, that's that, that it's a throwback kind of that that are that is bad numbers not bad but those are uncharacteristic of of the modern day NFL numbers. Exactly and it's honestly a little surprising that you can look back and see that they were able to pull things off like that. I mean, it's not just Steelers specific. Tom Brady threw I believe just one touchdown pass in that 2001 season that initial first run from the Patriots. I believe really? he threw one total touchdown pass throughout that entire playoff run and then winning a Super Bowl. So, yeah, it was just a completely different game but like we said at the beginning of this episode, the resume split in two because he was able to win his Super Bowls in that kind of end of the old era of the NFL where you could only, you could pass the ball, you know, 80 times in three games mm-hmm. and, and get away with it. You could pass the ball for three touchdowns in three games and, and get away with it. And then when the kind of renaissance of the league came to be in the 2010s where People started realizing, oh, this this Mike Leach air raid offense, you might be able to take some of its aspects and utilize them in the NFL. Teams have done it successfully for a while now, and Ben was able to adapt his game to be that kind of a quarterback as well. It's 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 really incredible to be able to go from game manager ish with the ability to make the big throws when you need to to I'm going to be a top five quarterback statistically in this league for five, ten years. It's it's incredible to see that kind of a growth in his game and that kind of an evolution in his game, mm-hmm. really. is He didn't come in like Patrick Mahomes, lighting up the world on fire stat-wise, but he was able to develop into a Patrick Mahomes and have five touchdown games and 500-plus yardage games. Mm-hmm. Six touchdown games. So I think that... It's so rare to see that kind of a, a juxtaposition of a his own career where he did a lot of winning early there were a in lot, ugly it, ways and then he looked real pretty towards the end of his career as he put up a lot of stats and kept the Steelers relevant for decades. Sure. I I would say there's a there's an easy way to split this into a career of thirds. Right? And it's not an even split. Uh it was an 18-year career. It's not a 6-year, six 6-year, six 6-year six type of thing. But you could say the early years, the Super Bowl winning years, or the Super Bowl teams, because I, I'd like to include 2010 in that group, was the first chapter where he was just at the 
maybe not at the peak of his abilities or, or or the peak of his efficiencies or the peak of his numbers, but the peak of his winning abilities, he was certainly there. And then you had the next couple of years, basically all the way up until I would say 2017 with the additions of Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. That is the height of his career, the height of his abilities. And then you have the the last three or so years um, without Antonio Brown, without Le'Veon Bell, and then the injury-riddled season in 2019, and then the last two years, 2020, 2021, really being not his best and, and really showing his age in those seasons. Now, obviously, you would like to forget about that last chapter, and it's hard because with recency bias, that's what you're going to remember most easily because it's the last thing you saw. But those first two chapters, on it, it's exactly how we started this conversation. You had one chapter of being the best of winning your sport. You were at the top. You were at you were the number one team out of thirty-two teams, mm-hmm. and 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 it wasn't just during the regular season. You you won it in the postseason. You won championships. You got to a third. That that doesn't just happen, right? I mean, how spoiled are you and I to have been born into that generation? to not know anything other than Ben Roethlisberger football, to not be able to remember anything other than Ben Roethlisberger football. It's the same thing as as people who were our age growing up in the 1970s. They came in right after the Steelers were the joke of the NFL in the 1960s, but they had Terry Bradshaw lead their team, uh, and obviously the defense contributed, but a franchise quarterback like Terry, like Ben, is not a commonplace thing. We we see how long franchises have suffered without their franchise quarterback. And now we don't know what, what is going to come without Ben, but you had him winning for you. You had him winning Super Bowl championships, and then he, he just took over. He, he elevated his game. Kind of ironic. I don't know if you would say this, as, if you would agree with me. Usually you see guys kind of craft their, their game. They, they reach a level where they've been good, they've been good, and then they take it to the next level. I think of Matt Ryan, right, in 2016. He was really good for his entire career. Then he reached an MVP level. He was named the league MVP, took his team to the Super Bowl, thinking, okay, wow, here is a here is a legitimate development over an NFL career. Matt Ryan kind of earning his way in, playing alongside Drew Brees, one of the best quarterbacks ever in, in league history. But now it's his turn. He's won the MVP, something Drew Brees never did, right? Yeah. Took his team to the Super Bowl, something Drew Brees only did also just one time. And then they obviously lost that game, but that was a development. Ben Roethlisberger, what he did, he, he just came out the gates firing, leading his team to Super Bowl wins, Super Bowl appearances. And then by that time, he was in the league for about six years. And that's kind of when you see guys hit their stride. And he did so magnanimously, and he did so emphatically. And it's just kind of ironic how that that just, that just development was kind of reversed. Breeze has got the accuracy. Peyton's got the smarts. Rodgers has got just the unbelievable natural ability. Mahomes as well. Brady's got that winning acumen. You know, all the legends have that kind of thing that they're best known for and the thing that they you can identify their game with. And with Ben, it was probably that escapability in an unorthodox way. It wasn't like he was escaping like he was Mike Vick or Lamar Jackson out there and with his unbelievable agility and speed. 
it was just his ability to be a linebacker playing quarterback and have guys hang off of him. And it was like the size of Josh Allen if you took Josh Allen's speed and cut it in half. And he still was just able to navigate the pocket so well. It looked like a wrecking ball back Mm -hmm. there. And I think that his unique style of play is what's going to help his legacy kind of elevate to that Breeze Rogers Manning status where his numbers and his tell you that he should be there anyway. But just naturally, you could see him being overshadowed by a Manning, by a Brady. I mean, those two were in his division his entire career. I mean, as great as Ben is, it's not his fault that he came into the league when the quarterback position became the most important position of all of and all of sports. Yeah, and and it's just unfortunate that you were put into the same conference as two of maybe the best of all time, maybe the best and the second best, best of all best time to ever for play sure Brady, yeah. the game. And and then on the NFC side of things, you got the guys like Rodgers and Breeze and, and good quarterbacks over there as well. That again, it's it's easy to get overshadowed. But what made Ben, I think, able to stay in the class with those guys is how unique he was able to do it and how his game and his 300 yards passing for three touchdowns and one interception looked completely different to all the other ones, 300-yard passing games with three touchdowns and one interception. I mean, it was just a completely night and day style of play from Ben Roethlisberger, and I think that style is really what's going to resonate with people as you retell his story to new generations of football fans and eventually induct him into the Hall of Fame. You think about the escapability, and you also think about the knack for the fourth quarter comeback. I mean, only a handful of seasons where he only had one fourth quarter comeback uh, under his belt. Uh, Only one season where he didn't get one, and he only played two total games that season in 2019 getting knocked out in the second game against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, But, I mean, he's had four fourth-quarter comeback seasons three different times in his career, including six of them this season. He's had over four game-winning drives five, six times in his career, including seven game-winning drives this year. I mean, his knack for grasping victory from the jaws of defeat. He uh, may be Brady as the only other one that has that kind of a claim to him, but he absolutely was Mr. Fourth Quarter, Mr. Comeback, whatever you want to call him. His his knack for never saying die is what really shone through throughout his career as well as his escapability in a unique way. And I think it's very poetic that he set career highs in fourth quarter comebacks and game-winning drives this, this season year. to end his career. <clears throat> I think a great point, too, to illustrate how great of a career it was was the fact that it wasn't something that he was – able to develop as a skull. It's something he did over the course of the entire HN that he was in the league. When he was a young kid, very gunslinger-esque, very, very youthful to the game, right? And it led to Super Bowls. Great. That, you could say, that happened. And then at the the middle point of his career with the A.B. Lev Bell era, he even though he had the talent, he was still in charge of that offense, still able to say, hey, I know you guys are great, but I'm, I'm the leader of the offense here. I will get the ball to you, and I will make sure we win these games. That was him. And then at the latter point of his career, as you said, he your highs in a season and fourth quarter comebacks, game-winning drives or game-tying drives. He did that this year 
in his last year of his career when probably, Tom, probably this was the worst offense he's worked with. You could definitely make the case it was definitely the worst offensive line he's sure. worked with. I mean, we, offensive we, lines back in his we day. made jokes about 08 when he went up on the podium after the Super Bowl 43 win. And first thing he said was offensive line. He was laughing now because that was the big criticism was they were the worst offensive line. They were the worst rushing offense in the league at the time. But I do think this is a far worse offensive line just because of the carousel of guys and, and the lack of ex- rookies bringing in guys like Dan Moore and Kendra Green, of course. But he was still able. It didn't matter how much of a hindrance he had up front. He was still able to lead all those comebacks. And and this, I mean, you can say, too, that the talent he had wasn't anything special. He had, he's, a, he's a rookie Najee Harris, you know. Uh, now we know Najee's legitimate, but... At the time, even though he was so highly lauded coming out of Alabama, unproven, right? Of course, as all rookies are, yeah. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool still have yet to really elevate their game to a number one wide receiver. So operating without a number one wide receiver because Juju Smith-Schuster oh, Smith went down in what, week four? Something like week that, three? yeah. So you're, uh, you, you really don't have the pieces that you were used to having over the course of your NFL career. And he still led this offense to to career highs and fourth quarter comebacks to game winning drives. He did it at all every stage of his career. It's just such a good ending to it as well. He's gonna. I, I think you couldn't have walked away. Well, I guess you could have walked away better, and that's with the Super Bowl win, like Aaron Bettis did. But mm-hmm. but that is so hard to do that you have to just find a good way to get out and. I know he lost to the Chiefs in boat race fashion in his last game of the of his career. No one's going to remember that as his last game of his career. No, it's going to be the Baltimore. It's going to be the, the storybook ending there. You beat your two biggest rivals, one at home, one on the road. It gets you into the playoffs. Couldn't ask for anything better than that. Um, couldn't ask for as far as you finish your career in the same place that you started it. You're You're a one-man team. You know, Peyton Manning can't say that. Tom Brady, Tom Brady can't, can't say, that. say that. Joe Montana can't say that. I would bet that Aaron Rodgers won't be able to say that. Brett Favre couldn't done. say Brett it. Brett Favre couldn't say that. It's it's rare. You know, you're talking the Elways. You're talking Marino. You're talking Ben. These guys that stick with Drew Brees, two different teams in his career. It's rare. Yeah, people, I mean, that that one's a tricky one. But as great as you know the NFL is, as far as keeping franchise guys in one place. A lot of these guys end up going somewhere else towards their end of their career for their swan song. And Ben has stayed and remained in Pittsburgh, even when things have been a little rocky in the past couple of seasons as far as his play has been concerned. Stayed in Pittsburgh. He realized when, you know, it was time to time to move on and he did it appropriately. And although he hasn't officially come out and said, I'm hanging him up, he's kinda in teasing and hinting at it so openly uh-huh. in the past couple of weeks and months that it's yeah, I mean, pretty easy to connect the dots there. Not only that, with it's easy to see with Pittsburgh, but every time the Steelers have gone up against an opponent this year, the coaches have been asked, the opposing coaches have been asked, and and the interviews leading up to the game and then immediately after the post-game interview saying, what was it like for you planning for Ben Roethlisberger possibly for the last time? Everyone was asked those questions. Whether you were Mike Zimmer, you know, an NFC coach, one of the NFC North head coaches that 
you only see Ben every four years, or you were John Harbaugh, who's seen Ben twice a year, every year, for the past, Harbaugh's been there since 08, so what, almost 14 years or so, 13 years or so? Everyone was asked that question. What was it like, what what have you done, how has it felt preparing for Ben Roethlisberger, possibly for the last time, and then after the game, what was it like possibly facing him for the last time? It was, a, it, it was well known. Yeah, and there's a lot of respect around that uh-huh. league for Big Ben, and now that clock just starts ticking. Five years, put that golden jacket over your shoulders. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be painful waiting for those five. But years. it's gonna be an epic day in Canton, Ohio, when that day finally comes. A I lot, don't know, a lot many, of number seven jerseys in that crowd. How many franchises have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks? Well, the Packers will. Packers will have three. Packers will have three eventually. Uh, so they have two right now. I don't count the Colts um, because Cowboys. Johnny Johnny U is in Baltimore. Peyton is in Indy. Indy. Don't want to count the Cowboys. Cowboys, Staubach, Staubach Aikman. and Aikman. Okay. Um, and back it? eventually. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm okay. kidding on that one. Uh, I want to say that that's it. Uh, the Giants will eventually with Phil and Eli. Phil's not in. Phil's not in the Hall of Fame? Phil is not in. Really? No, no, sir. He should be. I don't think he should be. Well, two-time Super Bowl champion. One-time Super Bowl champion. Okay, two times, so we're not going to have this argument again. He was on the the roster. That's weird that he's not in the Hall of Fame. One-time I guess Super that makes Bowl sense. starting threw, winning he only, quarterback. He only threw 200 touchdowns. Yeah, he had nothing to do with getting them to the Super Bowl that year at all. Sorry. Uh, Phil Simms not in, so that doesn't count. I guess it would just be the Cowboys and the Packers right now. And now the Steelers. And now the Steelers will, will eventually join that elite Echelon. I'd have to think more about that. I, I wonder if there's a blind spot out there. But it's rare that teams have had really successful quarterbacks. I, I, let me ask you this: This is kind of a, loo- a cheat loophole, but do you okay. count the Denver Broncos? Uh that's a good one. Because Elway and Manning. That's a good one. I would count them just simply because Manning won a, a if Manning a ship didn't there. win, if Manning never won in Denver. Then I would just say it's kind of like two things too because he set that passing touchdown record single season right. in Denver, but they and lost won a, that and year. won a ship though later. So he's got a record and he's got a ring there. Yeah, I think you can. Include I let it. Things. I let it count. Okay. L.A. and Manning. It's, it's, counts it's in a weird case, but yeah, you can let it count. Well, Pittsburgh will join. So it'll however be four, many teams four. there are, we'll, we'll consider four Denver. unless we're forgetting another one, which we might. I don't be. think we but are. It'll be Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger and Terry Bradshaw joining that elite company. In just five years' time. That's all for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Offerman, and we'll talk to you next time.